Welcome to the Net Group Investments podcast channel, a collection of conversations where we share a variety of views and insights that investors care about. From market updates and investment fundamentals to investor behavior and even the latest book recommendations, this is a space to stay informed and interested in your financial world. I'm very excited about today's guest. Uh, she is Tracy Jenkins, and she's one of the analysts here at Net Group Investments. And she's recently been on the road to talk about her groundbreaking research that has basically been on the sequence of returns risk that she's been conducting. So Tracy's been spending many, many months, and what she's been looking into is trying to debunk the idea that the sequence of returns risk is the most important risk for retirees to mitigate. Now, what Tracy says that it's actually overall returns that matter and staying the course when it comes to long-term investing. Tracy, it's so awesome to have you here today. Thank you so much for making the time to join us. But first of all, let's uh, go right back and tell us exactly what is, you know, the sequencing risk of returns and what led you to investigate this, you know, interesting topic. Thanks, Timmy. It's really great to be here. So sequence of return risk is the risk that an investor experiences negative returns towards the end of their working life or towards the start of their retirement. So I've often heard it said, if you're one of these unfortunate few who happen to hit a crisis early on your retirement, you're doomed. So why is that? Because you're making these regular withdrawals to earn an income, so you're taking money out of your investments and you're taking it out when markets are down, that money can never recover. Therefore, it's one of the most important things to get right in your retirement. Now, out of curiosity, I thought, how bad can this be if it's a market dip? And if I could magically take out these ups and downs, this volatility, would it be better? How much better would it be? And finally, is it more important to reduce this volatility than holding a high portion in risk assets, which is going to have more ups and downs, but is expected to give you a better return? That's quite fascinating. So tell us, what did you discover when you were doing your research? So our research showed that mitigating this risk is less important than helping retirees resist that urge to disinvest if they hit this bump early on in their road in retirement. So when we did that, we actually looked at an example because it's always nice to take something practical. So let's take two investors who both retired in January 2008, just before the impending financial crisis. They retired with a million rand and they both withdrew 100,000, which is quite a high income in the first year and grew that income with inflation. Now, our first investor invested in a high equity fund. So that obviously hit the crisis and I won't say it had ups and downs because it was pretty much downs at the start, but that was our first investor. Then our second investor had this magical ability to just take out all these ups and downs and they had a perfectly smooth ride, but they earned the same overall return. So both investors had the same return. Now, if we look at this when we did the research, which was last year, June, both investors only had about 300,000 left of the million. So pretty similar outcomes, which I thought was interesting. And in fact, the, this magical zero volatility fund, which we know isn't obviously possible in reality, only had fractionally, fractionally more than the standard high equity fund with all its ups and downs. Mm. 
It's quite interesting because it seems that there is no difference when it comes to volatility. So where does the sequence of return now come from? Yeah, so most sequencing of return risk comes from this theoretical example you'll see where they say, imagine you earned returns from the worst to the best and then flip it around from the best to the worst. So if you unpack that, if you earned returns from the worst to the best, in your very first month of retirement, you got your lowest return for the whole period. And so gradually each month they got better until you got your best return in the last month. Then if you flip that around again, the other way around, you got your best return in the first month and they progressively got worse to your worst return at the end. Now, if you do that same example we just spoke about of retiring in 2008 like that, if you got returned as the best first, you had eight times more money by the end of last year, June. So any logical person would go, this is really, really critical and I need to mitigate this because it's one of the most important things to get right. But in reality... We never quite see reality playing out ranked perfectly either way around. So it's a little bit misleading. It's yeah. quite fascinating, Tracy, because now you've convinced me that, you know, negative returns early on in retirement is not the main determinant when it comes to running out of money. But this will change the way that many people look at their retirement savings. So what should retirees actually be focusing on then? So in practice, the overall return after all your costs is far more important than the order in which you get returns. So what we saw in our research, when returns were good, both those two investors, that magical zero volatility investor and our standard investor, had fairly good outcomes. And when markets were poor, both had fairly poor outcomes. So you can see the overall return after your costs was far more important than, than how you got those. So... If you look at it, a high equity fund is expected to give you a higher return than, you know, a lower or medium equity fund over a long enough period. So the key is long enough being about 10 plus years. Now, we know most people live at least 10 years in retirement, so that's fairly reasonable. And it's not always the case. It's the case most of the time. There will be the few periods where it's not the case. So the three keys to getting right, and, and I like to use an analogy here of a cup of coffee. So imagine I had my cup of coffee here. It's got to last me for my retirement because I want coffee for the rest of my life. So that's like my savings. If I get positive returns, my cup is like getting topped up with coffee. But there's two things that are drinking, I guess, my coffee. The one is cost. So that's like passing your coffee cup around the table and everybody's having a sip of your coffee. And then you're taking an income, which is you sipping your own coffee. So if you take that analogy, the three things you want to get right is you want to earn a good return. So ideally have sufficient growth assets. You want to make sure your total costs are reasonable and, and you know what they are. And the last one is you want to draw down a reasonable income. And when we talk about reasonable, we talk about 5% in your first year and then growing that income with inflation. Mm. I really like the analogies that you, that you use. And, you know, they're very helpful in really trying to understand some of these complex uh, concepts that you bring up. So this is really an interesting way of looking at retirement. But you, I know that in your analysis, you also looked at the difference or the performance of high equity funds versus low equity funds. Can you maybe just talk us through what you actually found? Yes, we did. So we looked at over 100 different retirement dates. So we looked at where the funds had returns. 
And we took that same example. Each person retires with a million rand on their retirement date. They draw 100,000 in their first year's income. They grow that with inflation. And we compared that for somebody in a low equity fund. So that's about 40% in growth assets. So like shares, property, those kind of investments to a medium equity fund, which is about 55% in growth assets, to a high equity fund, the one we've been talking about, which is about 75%. Now, in each of those cases, we looked at 10 years in, how much money did this person have left? It's almost like we went to go visit those retirees 10 years in and said, how are you doing? So what was really interesting is, it was never better to be in a low equity or a medium equity fund compared to a high equity fund. So that was that was really interesting and surprising. You thought maybe through the bad years it would have been better. Yeah. So we said, okay, well, we've got data going back all the way to 1926. Let's recreate these funds and see, surely you must see something different. But we saw a very similar result. So more than that, that it never did better in the good years... When we checked in with these people 10 years in, in some of the cases where markets were good, we saw that a low equity fund had sometimes up to a million rand less than in a high equity fund. So not only did it not help in the bad times, it was sometimes very detrimental in good and typical markets. So overall, not a great strategy to follow. It's a very, you know, it's, it's easier said than done because I think most retirees or people know that if you're in a higher equity fund, you're likely to have better returns. But, you know, staying the course during all these volatile times, sometimes you need to have nerves of steel. So what needs to be done or what are your suggestions in terms of what can we say to investors or retirees to stay the course? Absolutely. It's easy to talk here. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different story when that's your only savings. Yeah. So traditionally, there's been two approaches employed. And the first one we spoke about now, which is reducing your risk assets. And the other one is what's called bucketing. So for both of these approaches, we did the same test. We tested, you know, the different approaches over 100 different retirement dates because this must work no matter when you retire. And we again assumed somebody retired with a million rand. We checked in with them 10 years later and we looked at how they'd done. Now, as you saw with the different risk approaches, it wasn't great. It didn't help when markets were bad. And when markets were good, it was very detrimental. So as we saw, that wasn't a good strategy. If, however, we look at the bucketing system, there's a few different ways you can do it. But of the ones we tested, the one that was fairly effective was to take your first three years of income, put it in a cash type bucket. So I'm thinking like money markets and income fund, that type of investment. And the bulk, you know, which is the balance of your money, put into a risk bucket. So we're talking a high equity fund, something along those lines, as we've discussed. And what you do is you draw only from this cash bucket, your safe safety bucket, until there's nothing left. And we never top it up. And when that's done, you start drawing your income from the risk bucket. And the reason this is helpful for people is no matter what's happening on the risk bucket, it's like, I know I've got the safety bucket. I'm only taking my income from this. So initially in the early years, um, I'm secure. So what we saw with that, we saw a marginal improvement 10 years into retirement in the bad times. So if you retired, let's say 2008, 2009, you know, you hit quite a big bump early on, you did get slightly better outcomes if you applied the buckets approach. And importantly, when times were good, you weren't punished too much as we saw with the other strategies. So you did have a little bit less when you bucketed, 
but it wasn't that significant. Yeah. I mean, Tracy, you must have accumulated a wealth of knowledge and, you know, doing this research, I'm sure there are a couple of nuggets that you can share. So in your view, what would you say are the most important findings or things that you can share that you've taken out of this research? Yeah, it's been a, a really interesting journey. And we have got more detailed videos on, on the topic on our website for those who are interested, and we'll put the links in the episode notes. But the four key nuggets takeaways from this, and we've touched on them, is firstly, make sure you have enough growth assets. You know, you need those returns. The overall return is the most important. So ideally, when you look at all your retirement savings together, not in buckets, everything in one, you want about 75% in growth assets. Then the second thing is to control those total costs, those people who are sipping <laughs> from your coffee. Try keep that to 1.5% or less overall. The third thing is, again, you're also sipping from your coffee, so you need to pace how fast you're drinking that coffee. So start out with a drawdown of 5% of your asset value in the first year or less, you know, for those lucky few who can afford less, and then grow that with inflation. And the last thing is really what we ended off with is how, how do you manage behavior? Yes. Because if you get the first three right, but you panic, you know, it's not going to help you. So look at some kind of bucketing approach to help you resist that urge. Or if you have clients to help your clients who are retiring, resist that urge to disinvest if they do hit these poor markets. But there are a few bad ones. Um, so as I said, go watch some of those videos where we unpack a bit in more detail which bucketing is the right approach to take. Tracy, thank you so very much. That was really, really insightful and uh, really hoping that we'll have a lot of people who are either watching or listening in uh, go and have a look at those episodes and, and get even more insights on how to better position themselves when it comes to retirement. Of course, that was uh, Tracy Jenkins. She's an investment analyst here at NetGroup Investments. And uh, she, again, is just sharing the importance of staying the course. NetGroup Collective Investments is an authorised Collective Investments Scheme Manager in terms of the Collective Investments Schemes Control Act. NetGroup Investments does not provide advice on financial products and will only give you factual information. For further details on our funds and to view our terms and conditions, please visit netgroupinvestments.co.za. NetGroup Investments. See money differently.